everyone and welcome to To Having To Roll podcast. My name is Oliver. I'm here with Robin. Hello, everyone. So it's hot, Robin, right? It is. It is really, really hot. Unless you haven't realized recently in the UK, it has gotten very hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, just a few updates uh, for this episode, really, because uh, there's not too much going on, but... Um, E3, Empire LARP E3 is imminent and approaching at a very rapid rate. I feel like yeah. it's been I feel like it's been quicker coming around this time than it was the last time, if that makes any sense. No, yeah, I agree. I feel like there was a huge gap between E1 and E2, and now I feel like we were just at E3 a couple of weekends ago. Well, E2, yeah, E2. Yeah. E2, sorry, yeah. <laughs> so I, hopefully, hopefully the weather isn't going to be like it was recently because i can't i could i think i could probably cope with rain better than that heat <laughs> i yeah i mean i really don't want rain um but i don't want wind and i don't want the heat that we've just had i just want my perfect climate can that not just happen yeah yeah like today's not too bad because it's like it's overcast and it's it's windy but way better anyway yeah. are we prepared for e3 I am not very prepared. I had a million things. I was like, yeah, I'm going to get this yeah. done. I'm going to get that done. It'll be great. Um, I've started everything. I've just not finished a single thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I haven't. I haven't done anything that I wanted to do. I haven't done anything. I, I, I washed my gambeson. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't even put that back together yet after washing it. Uh, I was supposed to be doing my shield. I haven't done my shield. Um yeah, and it's still in pieces in the in the in the garage, um, but I think I think I can I think I can get it done, possibly. Maybe. <laughs> like I was the same though, because I was like, um, after E two, when we first came back, I was like, right, we're going to be really organised. So we've got everything we've just taken out the van. We're going to wash it all. We're going to fold it, label it, put it in the room. So when A three comes around. We just put it straight into the van. I've done none of it. I mean, I've probably put ourselves in a worse state because I have washed some of the things, but I don't know where I put them. Yeah, no, we, yeah, yeah. we're going to have to have a big clear out. Uh, one thing I have been doing to prepare that I am, I feel more prepared for is I've been kind of running and walking. Yeah. Like three times, three times a week. I've been doing like 5K walking, running um, to actually get my cardio up because usually I freaking hate cardio. It's like... <laughs> It's, it's the devil's activity cardio but i actually have an excuse to do it now so usually when i'm running around i'm thinking about this will be so much easier when we're laughing especially in this heat yeah exactly i mean i think we've both done a bit better with all of that this time around um and just kind of focusing on those sort of things so hopefully that's going to prepare us a little bit more um trying to think i i mean I'm confident that we'll be fine because I've started quite a few crafting projects and I reckon I could get them all done. I mean, my crown's done. Oh, yeah, no, your crown looks freaking awesome. So this is the crown. Do you want to say what your crown's for? Um, well, this is just my, my crown that my antlers um, are attached to. And I basically made it that my changeling character, that her flowers change each season. She's Mainly an because, sorry, because she's an Aladrin. 
Yeah, she's pretty much in the ladder, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I switched all her flowers round to these red roses instead, sort of to, to sort of emulate that summer look that she's going to have. Yeah, yeah. Well, for people who don't know what an Aladrin is, it's a it's a race in D and D, and it's what one of your well, it's it's literally Aaron L, your D and D character is is a Aladrin. Yeah, it's a type of elf who um can change depending on the season or can change depending on their mood and so on. But each um each change is either autumn, winter, spring, or summer. So. Yeah, I, I kind of felt a bit inspired by that, especially when reading all the changeling information and thought, ah, well, she's really good. It's pretty much an Aladrin, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, what you could do with, I mean, it, it might be a bit of hard work because next year, hopefully, you know, you're going to be playing the same character, but you could almost do with four different crowns, couldn't you? For instead of changing it every single time, you could do with just a crown for each season so that every time you go to E1, you've just, pick up your winter crown and do it that way i might do that because i really like the summer crown that i've just made i'm like that's nice i don't really want to change it from there so i'm quite happy with it what i might do is exactly what you just said there and experiment with a few other sort of things um i just i would need to cast some more antlers but that's easy enough to do yeah, it's just and, expensive, but getting resin, isn't it? If you have well, like, I've got all the resin there. All right, well, yeah. I've got enough resin there to yeah to make quite a lot of those antlers, and then you can sit and paint them all. Yeah, I was just about to say, yeah, it would be. I mean, what you could almost do like uh, if, if you can maybe figure out like a detachment system, so you have like four crowns, you just take the same antlers off and move mm. them around. Could do, and I, I thought about a few different ways of doing it. One of the things is using like neodymium magnets and so on. Well, I wouldn't but trust them in LARP. That's a thing. And no I know way. that I know that quite a lot of our LARPers do use neodymium magnets for things. So oh, I've really? been reading, yeah, I've been reading quite a few people have been using that as an attachment method. And I would use neodymium magnets, but I would need to get the right strength. The cost of getting the right strength of a neodymium magnet is very high. So I was just like, "Mm, by the time I spend the money on getting strong enough magnets, I may as well just cast them all. It's the fact that Um, you've got like long, because they're pretty heavy, because they're resin, relatively heavy compared to foam because they're resin, but also they're like long and thin. So there's like a lot of leverage on them and then they're at the top of your head. I can totally see like Cambrian horns, which are like the the goat style twisted yeah. horns. I can totally see like making a friction hold sleeve for them with neodymium magnets in there as well. So when you slot mm. them into place, I can see them staying in. But yeah, antlers, I, I just cannot see staying in place with neodymium magnets. I prefer the way mine are now because what I do is I've got the mold for the antlers and I pour the resin into it. Then I get thin wire, um, like like gardening wire, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I push that into the actual mold. So there's two pieces of wire coming out of the base of the antlers. Now, the good thing about that is that that's how I attach all my crown. I've then attached those onto another crown that I've made. And I've got hair extensions covering the wiring. So... Last time, the battle last time, I didn't use any attachments to attach my crown to my head like I normally do. I normally um, 
use lots of like bobby pins and I sew it into my braid. Yeah. This time I literally just used, cause I've got two clips, like hair clips underneath. I literally just clipped it in and did a, a rough like pleat through my hair covering some of the wiring. That was it. Yeah. And it stayed on. That's a, that's a braid for everyone not in Scotland. Okay, a braid. <laughs> they know what I mean. <laughs> Please. Okay, come on. <laughs> yeah. Well, it makes it easier for you to get like chain. I mean, that's why I didn't want to go antlers because antlers are like you know when you have your ears on, they are a part of your character. It's not as if it's like I, I get. I guess it's part of kit, but it's not part of your character's costume. So it's literally just a part of your character. So you can't just like. If you're in character, you can't just toddle out without them. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you just, they have to be on you all the time. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I was thinking as well when it came to a couple of things with, um, with what I want to do this time, because I want to do the Black Knight stuff this time. And I was like, well, if I'm doing the, the Black Knight stuff, I can't really wear a helmet over antlers. My character has antlers, so they kind of need to be there. So I've got myself a black veil. But what I might actually do is create almost like a hat <laughs> that's going to go over the antlers. And I'm going to use, because I've got black um, fabric, and I'm going to create that so then the veil goes over that. So that yes. way it will just look like you wouldn't be able to see very clearly what's underneath, but I can see out. Yeah. Um, I might use like eyelash glue or something to hold the veil in place around certain parts of my face so that it just stays perfectly. And then I need to sort out, I mean, okay, there's some stuff on Amazon that I've wanted forever, but never had a reason to wear it. And it's like this sort of medieval looking tabard with these full leather um, panels on the front and it's all black and it looks really cool. And it's one of these things I've always looked at and gone, that's cool. But I have no reason to purchase it. <laughs> Whereas now I do. I yeah. could just get it and wear yeah. it over my chainmail, black trousers, mm. boots, done. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, I have a pair of black... Well, I suppose you, you're going to be okay for black trousers, but I have some black LARP uh, appropriate trousers that I got married in that I'm, I'm too fat to fit into now. Um, oh, I could borrow those. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, so they're, they're in the wardrobe there. So you make, sure we, take, make sure we take them because that'll look quite good. Yeah, that probably look better than what I've got, actually. Yeah. Um, that'd be really good. Um, yeah. And another thing that I've got this time is boots. So I wanted boot covers because, because I'm wearing a dress or skirts or leggings. The boots look a little bit strange at the bottom of my legs because they're like walking boots. And I wanted covers that would go up to my knees. But boot covers are quite pricey. And because I'm not 100% committed to the look that I want there, I didn't want to spend, you know, 150 quid for a nice pair of boot covers. So I've literally got a pair of brown boots, like knee-high brown boots, that are really uncomfortable. They're cheap ones from Amazon. And I've cut the actual shoe part off in the bottom and i've made the um the leg part into covers to go over the the boots yeah so, <laughs> so I, I think that looked cool yeah i'm 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 sort of worried about yeah if it is as hot as it has been because one like yeah boots is one thing because i've got a really good pair of walking boots that i splashed out on 
at the beginning of the season because I was like, yeah, these are going to uh, do me for a long time in LARP and they're per they're perfect, they're brown, they go with all my kit. Yeah. But yeah, they are thick leather walking boots, which I'm not averse to wearing in the heat, but they're probably not the best. I was actually worried at the beginning of the year, oh, I might need an, ex an extra pair of boots just in case it's really muddy and I don't want to put those back on. But now I'm worried, oh, they might be a bit too heavy and sweaty for this time of year. Maybe just wear them for the battle and then maybe just try and find another pair of appropriate shoes. But finding... Yeah, because you were looking at a few, weren't you? Well, yeah, as well. Yeah, so um, yeah, one of the things I, I had for us to talk about was the we went to the Tewkesbury Medieval Festival. Um, yeah. So And it was hot there as well. So um, for those of you that aren't... Uh, who don't know about the Tewkesbury Medieval Festival, the history behind Tewkesbury. It was a battleground um, Tewkesbury for a uh, battle that took place as part of the War of the Wars of the Roses um, between <laughs> the Lancastrians and the Yorkists. Um, and it was a very uh, historically relevant or very relevant for that kind of historical storyline. I'm not a, I'm not a great history buff. I like all, I like all the swords and and uh armor and things like that um but it's like the the wars of the roses is very like it's basically real life game it's what game of thrones was very much uh, heavily influenced by um so yeah that every year they have a big festival and they uh do the reenactment of the battle of chooksbury um but there it, like it's uh, last time i went was like nine years ago actually maybe closer to 10 years ago actually it's either nine or ten so a while ago and last time the first time i went it was uh it was the weather wasn't great and it was actually relatively quiet this year there was so many people there. yeah there was a lot of people <laughs> it's like the biggest it's one of the biggest uh reenactment festivals in europe um or so they keep saying but anyway uh i've kind of segued into that but yeah that they had um, stalls there so it's like a big medieval I want to say medieval market but c not really it's it's like you know people selling uh, LARP and reenactment gear um, yeah. and all sorts of other bits and pieces and yeah I was looking because it was so hot and that's what's made, make, made me worry because we uh, we basically uh, went in kit didn't we so I just went in like a, a shirt my LARP trousers and my walking boots and yeah even just those three pieces of clothing, I was sweating, you know. And I'm like, if it's if it's like this, Empire, um, because that they all had like the canvas tents, like we have, like, and there was no escape from the heat in the canvas tents. Yeah, we were like going in there, and it was yeah, um, like we were going into the tents, and that's why, like, since then. I've been researching ways of like cooling a canvas tent and everything I've found so far is quite basic. Although like one of the things, so, so basically the, the issue is actually just when we're standing in there, I think we'll be fine sleeping in there at night because I mean, we are yeah. outside, we should be fine, but it's more like getting changed and things like that. That's a bit of a struggle. Yeah. Um, I might end up doing exactly what I did last time where in the morning while you were like serving coffee and stuff I took all my makeup stuff over to one of the portaloo things because they're quite a decent size and they had mirrors in them and I was like so I did my makeup there so I could stand up and not die of heat 
so I might just do that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like we should. I feel like we should maybe organise with um, a couple of other groups on the field uh, in dawn for a an an outdoor area for getting ready. Like it would be worth one of us taking a full length mirror. You know, you know, literally, because mm. it is a pain in the ass thing to take a full length mirror because obviously it's fragile and it takes up room. But yeah, if we would go right, if, you know, if we if somebody brings a full length mirror and we set aside a space for it, because there's a few of the houses that have quite a big, they almost have like a courtyard area or, a, you know, underneath a, a gazebo or a, yeah, yeah uh, or a marquee. And I'm like, I, I feel like if there was like a communal area that people would get ready outside because, yeah, you go in those because even, you know, I didn't have to do anywhere near as much kind of makeup and prep as you, but just walking in to like stick some gel in my head, get out of my face and uh, put, putting my ears on and then putting my trousers on it was tough last time. That was when it was relatively hot. Um, but if it's hot as it was this weekend, I, I'm not going to be able to stand being inside the tent in the daytime. No way. Yeah. I mean, the issue as well, when I got the ears and the antlers on, it's quite complicated to put the whole kit on after that. So I kind of need to put the kit on first, but then I'm standing in a full set of kit in a hot tent. Yeah. So I'm kind of going a bit more minimalist when it comes to like, so, well, I'm trying to cut down as much as possible what I need to actually do to get ready. And yeah, I had some fantastical ideas and what I want to do with like makeup and hair and everything first going. I have cut that down by like half. I was doing, you know, crazy eyeliner and eyeshadow and different things the first at E1 because it was kind of cold and mm. it was easy to do that. Yeah. But last time it was so difficult. I've cut everything down so much and I've literally got an appointment at the beauticians on the Wednesday before we go so they can do everything for me. Yeah. <laughs> and I will just be... I've got like a thing to sleep in that curls my hair and I'm just going to be doing that again this time because the first time I spent so much time trying to get ready and that's the other thing is I don't want to spend so long getting ready I want to spend the time actually being in character and out doing things yeah yeah well I, so it looks like this time well we've got our uh, place on the field now for mm. you know the camp planners have released the plan and we're going to head there Thursday uh, this time. So we'll be uh, one of the first people there. Yay. Yay. Um, as opposed to last time we were one of the last people in into the camp, um, which was a little bit tricky because we were right on the glory square. And we had to like, yeah, we had, had to try and make sure we weren't upsetting people by like jamming ourselves in there. But this time, uh, hopefully, yeah, we should get there pretty. And because we're at the end of the row next to the glory square again, woohoo. Um, <laughs> it should make it easier if we're there early and then everyone can like, you know, everyone who's below us and on the side of us can, uh, yeah, stack around. Um, we're also next to our, um, testing house, uh, DeSandras as well. So yes. that'll be, that'll be fun. And again, we're on the glory square, so we'll be able to, we won't miss anything. Um, super exciting stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we should be pretty easy getting set up there. Um, We'll have to see what time Sandra's are getting there at. And then, yeah, we can set up together. We can, um, yeah, create a nice welcoming space. We're pretty much where we were last time, but just the other side of the road. Yeah. So we are going to be able to, yeah, see all the action as it comes in. I think we'll still, like, try and be as communal as possible and take all the, like, 
chairs and things with us and different things for people to hang out around yeah we don't really have much extra to take this time really no. i mean i still haven't got my i still haven't got another coffee pot that's one thing i definitely need to yeah i need to order one yeah well i don't know whether i want like another small one or like just splash out and get a big one and then try and sell my smaller one i don't know what to do i think you should get get another small one yeah because have a rotation going well, that's the thing. You can have a rotation going. It's a little bit easier to make that. Plus, you've already kind of like cracked down how to do it in that size of container. Yeah. So get a small one. I'm going to get like some like stuff for tea and things so that people can have some like nice fancy tea as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the combat opportunities came out as well. Uh, mm -hmm. So uh, for people listening that aren't, um, don't know much about Empire, God, I've feel like i barely know anything about empire to be honest but, <laughs> um, just so you know what i'm talking about the uh, so the, the game kind of is living in between times you know so they mm -hmm. so what when the players do their thing at the summits uh we all go home as players uh, but the, the game carries on and the profound decisions the company that run the game they come out with story arcs storylines that come out it's basically lore segments that they release so there's the winds of war winds of fortune um they're just basically like they're, they're basically like blog posts they put on the wiki um, yeah. but attached to those are to some of them are information that will affect gameplay next time um and they with one of them they've recently released the battle opportunities so if you've listened to our episodes where we've talked about the war council we have to the war council has to decide which opportunities to take on which days so, but they have released them, and it looks like uh, there's two opportunities against the Druge, two opportunities against the Jotun. Um, it's, I think, you know, I'm not going to be uh, totally predictive, um, but there's a good chance we'll probably end up fighting the Jotun because we're Dawn, you know. Yeah, no, that's what it's looking like anyway. But we'll we'll see. I mean, like I said, we fought. Um... Sunday last time so like you were saying it's looking like most likely going to be like so the the Saturday this time yeah we'll, see. well yeah sorry yeah, I didn't even say that yeah the Druze on the Druze so the Druze is on the Saturday yeah yeah um but and there's two different opportunities to fight the Druze there's there's one in the Barrens and one in the Zenith which is where we were last time I think yeah uh, but yeah also yeah with like there was a big campaign uh push to retake the barons which is like a piece of land that uh lots of people have a claim to including dawn and it's overrun with druge um and our campaign has been pretty successful i think we've retaken half of the half of the barons currently yeah so <laughs> i imagine we'll all be pushing i imagine that because it's the it's varushka and varushka and Dawn, I think I think there's like leagueish mercenaries as well that okay. are headed in there. They've literally just uh, used all their armies to get in there, and I imagine they'll all be pushing in the military council to do the barons one. So we'll see. My my prediction is we'll be fighting in the barons on Saturday. So we'll see if I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I but, think you are right. Yeah, I, I I'm I'm happy fighting the Druze again because I, I enjoy fighting against them. They are quite fun to fight against, yeah, I must admit. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'll be happy if because then that, that'll mean it will be Saturday, so that'll be like a little switcheroo from what we did last time. Um, but, yeah, going back to the, the Tewksbury Medieval Festival, it was interesting because mm -hmm. we saw a lot of people, a lot, a lot of people that we've met um, 
hanging out. It's it's one of our local things. That's why we went to it now. Uh, but yeah, we saw some people, saw some Empire people there, some people that, that play the game with us. Um, and there's a little bit of a crossover with uh, reenactment and LARPing. Yeah. Um, but this is the first reenactment that you've seen, Robin. What did you what did you think of it? Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't really too sure what to expect, to be honest. I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I I thought that like standing there watching it, I thought it was quite exciting anyway. I really liked when the archers were <laughs> hiring. I just thought that was just like such an incredible display. And it just, it looked so deadly without being deadly, if yeah. that makes sense. I loved, obviously, when they had the cavalry out and when they were um, doing everything there. I thought that was the most exciting part. And I was like watching that being like, how cool would it be to be like on horseback and to fight with a sword on horseback? <laughs> that looked really fun. Yeah, the, horse, the horses did well because they only have mm. that. They, they basically had like six horses there to represent an entire cavalry, you know? Yeah. It's, it's basically even though it's a massive reenactment from pe for people all around Europe come to it, it's still you know they still only represent like a fraction of of the actual armies that fought each other. Um, it's 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 weird. I don't. I might want to give it a go one day because obviously you one thing that you brought up there is that yeah you watch it, and I think that's maybe um, one massive difference between LARP and reenactment is reenactment is usually observed yeah or, well i don't know if it's usually observed but i guess oh, it's yeah. it's observed so larp you don't really want it to be observed i don't think it's observable is it because it's i don't think so no yeah i've i've because i've seen some footage of larp and yeah it does look a bit cringe um it's because there's no flow state in larp that that's that's the thing it's not as if it's because you're you're kind of going in and out of character, and it's just you, you're you're kind of jumping into these moments as your character, and I, I've heard people say it doesn't translate to camera. You know, you photographs is great at camera, and I imagine watching it is the same. Yeah, because I mean, like one of the the biggest differences is obviously the reenactment. There's literally um, announcers and presenters there um, describing what's actually happening on the field, like saying who, who is fighting whom and why they're doing it and um, naming the different people or the different historical figures as they enter the ring and describing what they're doing, why they're doing it and where this leads to next. Yes, which... Into the ring. <laughs> the ring, sorry. <laughs> the, the WWE wrestlers. Oh now. my God. <laughs> the battlefield, the ring. <laughs> I mean, none of us were actually there for all we know they had a ring, okay? Yeah. yeah. Now everyone's picturing nice and full armor entering a ring. I'm actually just picturing the scene in Shrek. Now with the music. chair. I oh, know, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's right. Chair, the chair. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So there's there's like a performance aspect to reenactment that yeah yes. I hadn't really thought about before because because you're like oh yeah no you actually have to you know you're you're acting yeah you're I just I guess you're acting a, you you are acting as a character even if you're just like a, a line fighter you know but you, you have to be conscious all the time that yeah you're being you're being watched and there's not a script to follow but there is a th way the things 
have to go. Uh, another big difference, obviously, is that you know they'll they'll use real real meta weapons to fight each other. Yeah. Um, which is yeah is completely different. Um, that's also adds to the weight and the heat of things carrying lugging around those weapons. So they're they're all blunt, obviously, but uh, yeah, they're still they're still made of you know iron and steel, and you're still getting clattered with them. Yeah, they're still heavy. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think I'd like to try everything at least once. And say, although yeah. reenactment is not something that I've ever actually been overly interested in, until recently, LARP was also something I wasn't really that interested in. And there was a time I wasn't really that fussed about D&D. So I definitely would like to try reenactment at some point in my life. I definitely would like to learn how to do the horseback stuff because that just looks like so much fun. Um, so, and I think it's just a cool experience and a cool thing to, to go out and do, I guess. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, there, there, there seemed to be a lot of, um, I, I think, I think we spoke to someone, they were like a lot of the people who are in the marches in empire, uh, go to that, um, that reenactment, because yeah, the marches is very like ye old England type thing, and a lot of I, I saw a lot of people in their reenactment kit, and I'm like, yeah, you could totally just that's literally just marcher kit, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it's good if you're like a if your LARP character does have a similar aesthetic to something like that, meaning that you don't actually need to change everything to be able to go and do that because I mean with all these hobbies there is a big cost involved and my understanding which is very low when it comes to reenactment but my understanding is that the cost um, potentially can be a lot higher simply because items must be historically accurate and therefore you can't really have your own vision in mind it needs to be what you've been presented with if you're being a certain type of fighter or if yeah. you are being from a particular area there isn't really that leeway to potentially get things for a bit cheaper but i could be wrong because i've never really looked into it yeah i mean for, for that that's my to be fair that's my understanding as well so i i, I feel like it's because because we came into larp through like cosplay yeah i feel like that's actually one end of the spectrum it's like the opposite end of the spectrum to reenactment. I feel like reenactment cosplay on completely different and LARP is like in between, you know, yes. it's, it's, it's kind of very much I'd in agree, between yeah. um, those. That's what it feels like anyway. So I, I feel like it would have been a bigger jump to go from cosplay to reenactment because then you have costuming as well. Cause that's another, that's another one. Cause you have costume groups, uh, for example, like, you know, the Imperial Legion, the 501st and, uh, not Imperial Legion, the the Rebel Legion, the five hundred first, and you know you're 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 trying to get movie accurate costumes to then go off and do uh, you know they do a lot of charity work and they they obviously just wearing the costume is the activity as well, and then yeah you've got reenactment which is yeah you 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 have to be you know I I guess it's a similar thing you're, everyone's very focused on right it has to be this. Um, type of fabric has to be this type of dress has to be this type of uh helmet whereas larp you you've got a massive leeway yes i mean it's fantasy exactly well the larp that we do yeah the larp that we do we have got quite a bit of leeway within there 
Um, I guess it would be rather different if you were, you know, potentially doing like a Western lark or something like that. I guess you get these sort of similar things where you have a bit of a brief to stick to. But then, like you said, when it comes down to specific materials and things like that, it can be a little bit difficult. You don't really want anything full, if that makes sense. You wouldn't really want to have like a full leather jacket if they would have worn real leather and so on in a reenactment sense but in a LARP sense and especially in a cosplay sense you can get away with a few of these sort of alterations yeah I but even even between like LARP and cosplay I've looked at things completely differently now so like I'll look at someone making something for cosplay and yeah obviously it's cost effective it's lightweight to make something out of foam um because people are making you know currently people are making like the armor from Thor uh, love and thunder and all the characters from that and you know people are making it out of foam and i look at some of it and i'm like oh, i'd prefer just i i think now i'd be like right if i'm gonna make that i'm gonna make it out of like actual leather or uh metal or buy metal armor now to do cosplay because then i can use it for cosplay and larp <laughs> not yeah. just oh yeah i've got I've got this foam uh, chest plate that looks like metal for cons. And I'm like, well, I may as well just buy a metal one now because I can wear it at a con and <laughs> I can wear it for that. So it, it's kind of changed my outlook on kind of costume pieces being in both hobbies. Yeah, I mean, since going into LARP, I've sort of looked back at cosplay as a hobby and Yes, there was many things that I spent, you know, like a lot of time making and struggling with and so on. But now that I've been sort of in the LARP world for a little bit, when I'm looking at cosplay, I'm now seeing potential cosplays in a whole different way, almost less stressful in a sense. I'm looking at things and I'm like, oh, yeah, I could go make that. That should be fine. It's not like I have to have it, you know, LARP ready or anything so I'm looking at it in a different way already I'm looking at cosplays that before I was like oh how would I possibly do that and now I'm looking at it going oh easy because I don't actually need to run around a battlefield hot glue yeah (laughs) (laughs) I can just hot glue everything no one will know (laughs) hot glue and velcro everything yay (laughs) yeah uh we're more than halfway through our land of vampires uh D&D campaign yes we are yeah uh how are you finding it i mean you kind of screwed me over recently yeah well i mean i ne- I needed you to be uh invested in... i was invested i know but i was even happy more, even more invested even more invested you know you you, you want to um how dare i make you uh <laughs> dislike the villain in a campaign setting i mean i just want to burn your world down now that's that's currently how my character is feeling. No, I mean, you, you to be fair, you haven't been that bad. So you, you've, you've still been pretty reserved. Actually, Annalise has been extremely reserved throughout the whole campaign, actually. I've been surprised. I know. I don't actually want to, like, be mean to you. But, you know, now... It's not me. It's, it's, hey, it's not me. It's the NPCs. It's the characters in their homes. It's not me She's at all. She's a nice character. She's friendly. She's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the thing <laughs> is, but she, that's it. She She's chaotic. Um, but only in what's what what how am I how am I trying to describe this? Yeah, I mean she, she's chaotic in her actions in combat, but not to the extent of like I'm never like why the fuck 
did Robin do that? Like I've I've never I never do that with Annalise. She's not chaotic I, in that way. I think that's a misconception though. I think that's the thing. Like a lot of people, they think, oh yeah, I'm gonna play a chaotic character and think that chaotic is, you know, oh, I'm just going to as the whole group are heading over in this direction, I'm going to turn around and run into the dangerous woods that we just escaped from. I don't know. Like, I think that's how I feel people think, you know, chaotic, you know, but I think an actual, yeah, I think a true chaotic character will do things that other, that others would not find totally logical. For example, finding a mimic and making it your pet you know that's a chaotic action to do but it doesn't destroy the game or break anything yeah i mean she did release a fire elemental into the woods yeah no, that's right but the thing is that i you know i that could have been seen as a lawful action because it was you it could have he was, was trapped a, yeah it was a trapped elemental uh possibly being kept there um not of its own free will it seemed to be trapped in some sort of you know, uh, force field and it was released and it just, it didn't attack you. It just left. So, you know, I, I mean, least. I reckon because there's like four ancient sisters and there's four locations. And so far I found two elementals rather different from one another. I reckon there's four elementals and they have something to do with this. You've... And I've just released one of them. Wait, you found two elementals? <laughs> yeah. What was the other one? <laughs> The gargoyle. You told me it was an elemental. You told oh, no, me it yeah, was like no, an yeah. earth or stone elemental. No, no, yeah. So a uh, gargoyles. Uh, it's uh, obviously used... it's not important. You forgot about one of the, no, no. the elementals. So no, never mind. No, no, it's not. It's not important. No. Well, I'll I'll clarify because a you I think you cast detect evil and good. Yeah. And that showed up what their uh, creature type was. Um. So you're like Annalise is a humanoid even though she's a half elf she's a humanoid uh whereas a gargoyle under its little um thing it says elemental it's not it's not okay. earth it's not an earth elemental that's just that if you look, go to the monster manual and look up gargoyle it says gargoyle and then underneath it says elemental so that's just the creature type it's fine i know it's not important so i won't spend time on it <laughs> yeah it's, it's fine yeah i would have steered you away from that <laughs> I would have said, to be fair, if I hadn't explained that now, I would have explained that in game. Fair enough. <laughs> just, just to just to save you being like, oh, let's go speak to the gargoyle. <laughs> oh, let's speak to the gargoyle. Yeah. Also, also, yeah, Earth isn't really one of the elementals, and the, and the no, sorry, one of the fanes. And well, and because you said like field, I'm like, well, field, Earth, sure, then mountain also is Earth, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and river is also earth. Well, river is water. It's not earth. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it lives in the, the earth. <laughs> the water. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, so yes, yeah, so we've been playing a lot. How, how are you finding playing uh, like duet D&Ding on stream? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like I kind of forget... <laughs> No, no, in a bad way. I kind of forget the streams there, actually. Yeah. I kind of like really quickly just zone out of the fact that there's even a stream going on because obviously we're not really interacting with chat or anything during a D&D session. So it's easy to forget that they're even there and just be immersed in the game itself. I don't really think I do anything differently. No. What about you? Yeah, I think the, the, the tricky thing about running a uh, one-person D&D game uh, on stream is nothing to do with running a one-on-one D&D 
uh, game, it's actually the stream that makes it a little bit tricky because if I'm DMing for several people on stream, then, or, you know, just in general, I've got lots of time as the DM if, you know, because I can just get people to like talk amongst each other. And while the players are discussing, oh, we need to go here, we need to go there. And me as the DM being like, crap, they're thinking about going there. I haven't got any information on that area. I'll just quickly sneakily look it up while they're talking. I don't, I don't have that uh, luxury where we're doing one-on-one on stream. Because if we were playing one-on-one at the house, I would just say to you, Okay, I, I can't, you go, oh, I want to know about this part of the land. And I'm like, do a history check and you do a real high history check. And I'm like, hang on, let me just, uh, I'll just, I just need to go read something and then I'll come back to you. And then we can just like, you know, yeah. then you just like, yeah, go get a drink or something like that. But because we're on stream and it's constantly going, that's um, a tough, I've got to be like reactionary all the time. That's why we like do shorter sessions as well. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why as well, when I know if I've like started a spell and I'm just, I know you're going to need to look something up, I tend to try and then go ahead and role play something that you don't need to hear, like something that's not, you don't need to actually check or anything, even if it's just something daft, like Annalise playing with a mimic or something in the background. Yeah. So I can describe that while I know you're getting your giant spider stats up or something. Yeah, I know, exactly. And you've, you've got to constantly be like, oh, yeah, no, I'm just doing this. I'm just doing that, especially when you're doing it for, you know, it's going to go out on audio as well. And you're like, all right. And yeah, we, we can't just have like dead space in a D&D game. Yeah. Which I don't think people are that bothered by because they know it's a game. But so many people absorb it, absorb, um, you know, passively absorb D&D games now um as entertainment you know and yeah what one of the one of the the big things is is people watching these streams uh especially when they've got like actors on them and things like that and they're they're almost uh yeah expecting a like a tv show you know so (laughs) you've got to remember not to put too much pressure on yourself as well and be like okay you know we, we are putting a game out there and it is a you know it's a tabletop game it's not we're not doing a radio play you know it's not we're not we're not uh, performing in that way it's, it's slightly different so uh, I think people are, are totally understanding if you have to yeah just go and look up a rule or if you're getting confused because la- I think the, the session uh, before last it was quite complicated because we we're doing everything theatre of the mind and it was getting yeah. quite complicated who was where and um, yeah trying to figure it out without having loads of dead air being like right and having it really clunky being like all right no no let's hang on what happened? Did you go first, Lara, first? You just have to like move on and go, right, we're streaming. Let's just move on. Yeah, exactly. It can be a little bit complicated, those sort of things. I mean, fear of the mind works great, but sometimes in certain occasions, it's difficult to, especially if you've just like described, like, I don't know, you come into this room and there is an ogre, blah, 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 blah. Like whatever you're saying next, without you know, being rude, I do tend to like go and start reading my sheet on D&D Beyond, but okay, ogre, right, what, what have I got? And I'm like looking at that to be like, right, it's going to be my turn like soon because there's not many of us. And then when it's my turn to go, I'm just like, shit, I'm, I'm pretty sure you must have just described where I'm standing. Yeah. But now I don't remember. And I don't remember, are there stairs? Is there a balcony? Is it in front of me? Is it below me? And then you end up like a constant. And I'm aware that I definitely end up getting you to repeat things quite a few times. And it's more just because I can't picture it yet. Yeah, it's not and, that bad. 
yeah, I tend to write um, everything down or sketch it down just to help me picture it. And that can obviously take a few minutes. And yeah, I kind of can like get a bit worried about there being dead air, but I don't think it's as bad as we think. Because I think that if in That's your head you've not said, sorry. Well, it's not because yeah, I edit them, so I, I, <laughs> I know we, we, if yeah. there is, then I edit them. But like, I, I very rarely do I have to edit like big chunks of just us not saying anything because that's not what we do yeah yeah so like um when obviously we don't say something for a little while in your head it can feel like a lot of time has passed when in reality it's probably been like five or six seconds <laughs> I, um, I, I think it it gives you um like playing playing on stream um especially if you try and keep up with it and you keep trying to improve uh like the, the stream quality and the game quality and uh as as a as the game master obviously it improves your descriptive um skills you know uh because yeah. you you're conscious that oh yeah this is going on stream for a start um also you know i can't like show everyone everybody a map um i have to make sure that i'm being clear in what i'm describing you know and obviously if my player is like oh i don't understand it i'm like right okay well that's an indication that maybe a lot of other people don't understand what i've uh, put in I'm trying to describe so it, it, yeah. it sharpens your descriptive skills but also as like just players um you know G GMs and players doing the whole right okay don't leave dead air type thing don't be like going back and going and, and arguing over rules and being like oh no wait hang on you were here and you we have this action and then we have oh yeah and and arguing about action economy because even if you're not streaming, I think that that's not productive in any game because I've seen games completely like break down for a whole like 15 minutes because people are talking about rules and where they were and uh, oh yeah, oh, hang on, I was like, I don't know, I, I was prone um, and that should have been an advantage. Oh, but you're not in range. Oh, but yes, I was in range. It's like, let's move on. <laughs> let's move on. So. I think it does, it, it sharpens those, I think it makes for better games if you are streaming and you're conscious of those things all the time because no one wants to hear you argue about rules on stream. And let's face it, I don't think anyone actually wants to argue and hear or hit, listen to people argue at a table privately either. So it's all valuable. Yeah, no, exactly. I think that when it comes to these sort of things happening, because obviously at the same time as well, like it's your, if you're playing it, it's like it's your character, it's your D&D character. And if because of a mix-up in confusion with a rule could potentially result in your character dying. I can totally understand when people would be like, you know, well, I just want to be hard and just be like, are you sure? Because this is my, like, long-term D&D character and they're going to die over something they shouldn't have died over. Well, that's so completely can, different, yeah. That's, that's, yeah. That's, that's, so I that's can definitely, like, yeah. get get that kind of thing as well. Yeah. I think that um, one of the big things I've noticed that is a bit more helpful when there's descriptions to kind of as a way to kind of avoid like a lot of those sort of arguments when there's a description that's theater to the mind the shorter the description the better i think because even oh, yeah. though obviously you want a nice big long detailed thing but if you like beautifully describe the types of bricks around you within this um fighting dome by the time you get to actually where you're positioned the information that you recall tends to be the little bit at the start. So I'm like, okay, I know there's bricks and there's yeah. some 
plants and then there was and then I forgot and that you said there was a door somewhere <laughs> so it can like you, you kind of want to go minimalist without being without leaving nothing to the imagination I think it's a skill that just is something that takes a long time to kind of bring about yeah. and um I tried running a game yesterday for two people who'd never played D&D before and that was something I noticed just with them because I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to describe it really well and everything. And I realized I described the scene like perfectly gone such detail. And I described like where like the enemies were. And I realized that by the time we got to the end of that, the players weren't sure where the enemies were. And I was like, oh, it's probably because I described so much else going on. They kind of went, oh, wait, wait, which hedge did we hear the enemy speaking you know and I was like oh, okay that's the information you actually want <laughs> yeah n- n- new players especially I think you need to be very uh concise and be like okay you walk into a room there's a goblin yeah all right how far away am I for the goblin he's in the middle of the room you're at the doorway you know that, that and just and just leave them to like because the, the players will um yeah new players will do this a lot but yeah just players in general will do that if you go okay there's yeah there's a there's a there's a fighting pit there's a fighter here okay how big is the arena because what if they need to know the information then they'll ask you know um and then they can they can build a mental model from there um yeah, yeah. If, you, if you perfectly describe the fighting pit and then and then you're gonna have to do it again anyway like you said because people are gonna yeah. go oh hang on <laughs> how how many uh, uh, like important information like you're going to set the scene. Oh, there's loads of people in the crowds and you can describe the crowds and you can describe, oh yeah, the crowd is hostile. That's important information to go into the uh, encounter with. But yeah, it's it's a, yeah, it's it, it's a balancing act. But yeah, it's it's great introducing new players to D&D, isn't it? I'm glad you yeah, got to do that. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I think like, like some of the important information that comes out of all these scenes and everything, or for me anyway, is that it, depending on who you're playing with or who's running the game, if you've got a DM who is very strict on like so your um your range spells and things like that, and they're going to be really strict with you know how many how how many feet are away are you from something, then I think an important information that people need to know is the exact location of everything like the exactly is this enemy 30 feet from me is it 40 feet from me is the door you know how wide is the door you kind of know all those details if there's going to be that strict but if you're a bit more like yeah well yeah about 30 feet away from you and you're not going to be like you take out a hand crossbow for example on the dm's gonna be like oh well technically it's actually 35 feet away so disadvantage you know <laughs> well that, that, that's, that's the pros and cons of using a map because yes uh depending on your dm for, for me if if you know if, if i know my player has a hand crossbow and they use it a lot and that they i have in my mind oh yeah they're roughly 30 to 40 feet away and they go oh, i'm going to shoot at my hand crossbow i'm not going to be like oh yeah you're going to need to move five feet to shoot it you know, yeah. I, I'm, you know, I'm not going to be like that um, because, yeah, you want the flow of the story. And that's why I meant I did but before when I was like, oh, yeah, it's you've got to keep things moving. I didn't mean, oh, yeah, if people are like, oh, I'm contesting rules because my character's going to die. That's obviously, you know, that that's not really what I meant. You know, I meant uh, moving the story, moving the play forward in a good flow. But obviously, if if uh, someone is down and they're on death saves, then the details obviously matter. It's, right it's, yeah it's it's when oh we all run out the door all right okay well 
how many it's, it's going to matter if i have like a portal to the underdark on the other side of that door then it, it's important the the marching order but if it doesn't matter then i'm just going to go yeah you'll run for the door i'm not going to be like oh yeah roll initiative to see who goes through the door just for you to go through a door and then everyone's yeah. like oh no and then everyone starts arguing oh no i was right at the back and blah 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 because it, it ultimately doesn't matter but yeah if there's a portal to the underdark then it does matter, yeah. Then it does. We can be sticklers for that because, well, yeah, like you said, it's going to affect someone going through it. Yeah, because if they like they they say, "Oh yeah, we all run to the door," you do you go right? You all fall into a portal. Then people are going to be like, "Oh, but if I saw him fall in, I wouldn't have kept running." Exactly. You know. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, and those that those arguments can can uh, yeah really slow things down. If it, if it's rules things that people aren't unsure of, because it's quite quick to look for a rule, especially since I've got like D and D Beyond on the PC. If we're playing on the online, um, it's so fast to look up a rule. Uh, but if if we're unsure, I'd, a lot of the time I'm just like you know I'll give the player that you know the the advantage and be like we'll look it up after that's my favorite phrase a lot of the time um when i feel like the game is starting to like get stuck in the mud i'll always just be like it's why we discuss it at the end. we discuss it afterwards you know <laughs> yeah that, I, usually, I like that we never discuss it out usually like all my players i don't think i've ever actually discussed it afterwards <laughs> yeah i i really like that because it makes you feel like of your player it makes you feel like you're actually like being heard and yeah. the dm's not just being like well no it's yeah, I, i've no. said i've said no so we're going to move on because you feel a little bit like like you're treated a bit stupid as a player and yeah. like you're just like oh okay cool you're being cheated but then out of something sorry or you're being cheated out or something yeah exactly whereas if the dm's like oh, okay look like, we're kind of like come to a halt here not too sure we're gonna just let this happen and we're gonna discuss it later then at least as a player you feel a bit more like oh okay yeah so they've listened to me you know we'll have a chat about it and we'll figure out how it's going to work for next time yeah. um because there's definitely there's a few rules and a few spells that I've used with several DMs now and every DM treats them differently. I get that people have their different interpretations of the rules, but I do like to know what their interpretations of the rules are actually and a are, good yeah. one. Hmm? Actually are. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like a good one is obviously like cutting words because rules is written. Cutting words is a tricky one. Rules is written if the DM goes to, or somebody is attacked, you have to say that you're using cutting words before you hear the rule. But that causes a lot of frustration, I find. One, because usually you end up wasting one of five dice that you've got. And two, if the DM doesn't remember you have cutting words and they instantly say that hits, you can't then use cutting words because they've forgotten that you might want to use it. Yeah. So that I've, I've, I've found, I've had a lot of frustrating moments like that in games, but I prefer just like, cause you and I, do, I literally said to you, look, this spell, how are we doing it? And you've literally just been like, ah, it's fine. I'll just say that it hits. And then you can just say cutting if words, you are, yeah. if you want to use it or not. Yeah. I, well, that's the thing, but it doesn't like after the first couple of hits, it doesn't make a difference anyway of cutting words. I don't think because yeah, like if if they if you know that um, this it, the, how hard it's going to hit, or you know your ally's armor class, you know it it doesn't it doesn't kind of matter, does it? But yeah, it's it's not as if you you know every time you're like, oh, I'm going to kind words it. Oh, that's a you know thirty one to hit, and you're like, crap, you know that's especially in a one on one game. I'm not going to make you waste all your bardic inspiration because I'm not exactly. I'm not, I'm not trying to usually. If you've got a big party, then you you know that is one thing that you might want to do is um make them resource manage because that's a big part of a big party um so as a dm you might be like right no i'm gonna make them 
because uh, that's where the challenge comes in. So yeah, they've got all these real powerful spells, but uh, can can I can I challenge them in giving them all these small encounters? And see if they're smart enough to be like, oh, or, or they could go, right, decision make, should I say, to be like, right, should I use mm -hmm. this now? Or we might be fighting something later on. So it also mitigates that power level a little bit. But with one player, I, I'm not, and we're doing it, we like story, we're, we're not grindy players. So what what the hell's the point? Yeah, exactly. I, I'm much happier when it comes to like a combat situation that we just kind of go, yeah, sure, whatever, that, that'll work fine. Like, unless it actually results in my character freaking dying or something, which is why, like, obviously when we did the chase scene before, I was like, oh no, I really want to know what's happening here because this is actually resulting in like a big thing happening. I agree. Right. So, uh, we, I, we, I think, do, do we have, we'll probably do one more episode before we go off LARPing and uh, then we'll do like post-LARP episode after next i think so yeah think one more pre-larp and then after larp as well um <laughs> excellent you want to say goodbye yeah sure thank you all for listening and see you later goodbye yeah see you later bye if you enjoyed this show make sure that you follow and subscribe so you know you know when a new episode is posted um you can leave a review you can share it around it would really help us out and you know we appreciate you doing that and remember, you can catch us live on twitch.tv forward slash to have underscore to roll. That's the number two and, and roll is into roleplay. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening.